You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And this is take two because I screwed up royally. (laughs) We actually had an awesome intro for you guys to listen to where we were actually singing and Jess forgot to hit record. So now you just get the boring bitch version of our intro. G'day, hello, let's talk. (laughs) Oh, well, there goes our um, agents ringing and knocking at the door asking for us to come and perform for them. I know. There goes my invitation to the voice next year, Jess. Thank you. Okay, so we are talking today about the nutritional and holistic space in regard to things like bone mineral density, joint degeneration, and this is a really you can hear it in my voice, can't you? You're just like, Jess, you've already said this. <laughs> It's hard now too because I feel like we've just started again. I don't actually know where to start, if that makes sense. Like I feel like we're just going to skip over some really important info that we gave before. I will say though, this is a bit of a, we're revisiting some of the podcasts that we've done over the last few sessions. So we had Michelle on. She spoke amazingly about functional training, strength training. And Carissa and I were talking about how that rolled on further to the area of like looking after our bones and degeneration and not just about aging and getting older, but also about the preventative space. So we want to talk about how nutrition is involved when it comes to looking after your bones, um, the density of your bones and how this relates back to things like your um, osteoarthritis and autoimmune arthritis and osteoporosis and these common conditions we hear about and often think are just associated with getting old. So we want to talk about that really holistic preventative space. Yeah. You summed I'm that sure up really we well. said it so much better last actually, time, but yeah, that we, summed it up number two. Yeah, it sums it up number two. <laughs> and the other thing we kind of did mention as well, not that you guys will ever hear this, so we'll just start it again. Um, but like we were just saying too that obviously with bone mineral density, um, that it's not like it's just not something anyone really thinks about unless you are especially in the younger years unless you know that you've got a flagged family history of osteoporosis um or if you've had um in a, a pretty chronic eating disorder or for most women and men but let's you know when we're talking about osteoporosis it really is more a condition targets women or hits women harder we're definitely yeah, obviously, like what Jess was saying, it's, there's a lot of preventative stuff. I'm trying to, like, think what I haven't already said. It just sounds bad, doesn't Sorry, it? God. mental. We've lost the plot. <laughs> Literally lost it. So common conditions that relate to this area. So firstly, I want to break down bone mineral density. So bone mineral density is a test that is ran to look at literally, as the name denotes, the density of the bone and the mineral density of the bone. So it'll be used as a essentially a diagnostic tool to look at whether the bone is um, looking more brittle and if there is a low mineral status, so particularly your calcium and your other minerals. 
and then it will be used to look at the degree of potential degeneration of the bone and as a tool to define whether we're dealing with something like osteoporosis. So it's a really important test and uh, as Carissa was <laughs> saying or trying to say before, it, it it is often thought of as something we just think about in more of the elderly space or the declining age space. But there's a lot of reasons why this can happen earlier on. And it often may not even be recognised because it can be something that's going on underneath um, without any telltale signs until you potentially fall over and something cracks or breaks when realistically it shouldn't um like someone who <laughs> broke their leg and didn't know they broke it <laughs> no comment <laughs> had to go there again <laughs> but do you want to talk about so there's we've got these major uh sort of health conditions um that we often speak about in this space and people yes. would have heard of all of them. So we, I just mentioned osteoporosis, we've yes. got osteoarthritis and then we've got the autoimmune arthritis. So do yes. you want to just mention very briefly? Cause My basic bitch version that I started to give before. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of the difference between the three. Yeah, so osteo, we've got osteoporosis, which obviously Jess just literally explained as it's the demineralization or the breakdown of, you know, just basically your skeletal structure. So we all know what our skeleton is we have these beautiful dense hard so <laughs> yeah i hope you bloody do uh, <laughs> this is not the podcast for you <laughs> um so you have your, your skeleton and that's your bones and they're nice and strong and then just naturally as we age due through due to the actual aging process we will they will start to become a little bit more brittle and a little bit you know a little bit not as strong as they were and that is natural and part of the aging process but this process can be accelerated to um you know osteoporosis by certain you know certain factors which obviously can include eating disorder in the teens um you know poor mineral status or poor nutrient status throughout the lifetime low estrogen um throughout the reproductive years for a female and then obviously once women hit menopause as well and there is an actual drop in estrogen then there's less protective mechanisms in place for the bones so all of that can contribute to osteoarthritis but there is generally a breakdown of the skull structure as we age regardless but whether or not that eventuates into osteoarthritis is what a bone mineral density test will actually you know differentiate then we have well, then we have the inflammatory bone conditions or the inflammatory bone slash joint conditions which kind of overlap with that a little bit so typically osteoporosis unless it's tested for or unless you break a bone um mm-hmm. you know and in, at, at an age where you shouldn't or you fall and break a bone and someone does a, a bone mineral density scan, like the chances are osteoporosis may not be picked up because it's typically not something that causes pain or uh-huh. anything like that in, you know, in your everyday to day life. So unless yeah. you actually have a reason to check for it, so family history, bone break, eating disorder, low estrogen across the lifespan, the chances are that it may not get picked up or you may not even have it. Um, osteoarthritis though, and your, your autoimmune arthritis are so different in the fact that these are actually inflammatory pain conditions that affect the skeletal structure and then the tissue and connective tissue and joints mm. and all of that in between as well. So osteoarthritis, my 
understanding is it's not autoimmune, whereas rheumatoid arthritis or any of the autoimmune arthritis, and there's actually several of them, I can't think of many of the other names off the top of my head, but they start Mm. to more involve like inflammation of the joints and the cartilage and all of that. So obviously when we're talking about anything that is all more autoimmune in nature, we've got the immune system involvement, attacking, breaking down, inflaming, doing all of that kind of stuff. So you can sort of see osteo, Porosis is not so much inflammatory as as more just, you know, degeneration or age-related degenerative processes. Osteoarthritis, we have a type of arthritis and a type of inflammation in the joint or, and the tissue and all of that surrounding, but definitely more the joint and the bones that my understanding is doesn't, again, and we're not osteopaths, so we're probably explaining this pretty wrong but it's the it is the differentiation um you know where you've got an inflamed joint that's not autoimmune is my understanding but then you've got your autoimmune joint conditions so yeah so that's just the our basic bitch version of how to (laughs) differentiate them so for the people listening you know you kind of know but yeah interestingly there's a lot sorry i was gonna say interestingly even just with the joint stuff there's some other stuff just beyond rheumatoid arthritis and stuff like that like um polyrheumatica polymyalgia rheumatica so all the myalgias and stuff like that they they definitely involve the joints and stuff like that as well they're not so much skeletally related as they are more tendon and connective tissue Mm. and all of that at the joint the inflammation of the joint so polymyalgia rheumatica is a very it's pretty common condition especially for people as they age and again that's very autoimmune in, in its pre- presentation but feels very joint involved for the people that experience things like that so similar mm-hmm. to rheumatoid where you've got a lot of pain in like the toe joints and the ankle joints and the finger joints and stuff like that pmr kind of more attacks like your your shoulder joints and your hip joints and things like that so it's definitely it feels like it's very bone and joint related but it involves a lot of the musculature tissue and connective tissue and all of that and stuff it's that stuff as well so Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's great. And I think it's really interesting. One of the major things that you pointed out there is even just about the pain, like mm. osteoporosis, one of the reasons, yeah, it's so undiagnosed or not understood. People don't realize it's even there a lot of the time is there's no pain. It's not yeah. like until something happens. But with these other conditions, like because of that wear and tear on the cartilage and then that sort of joint on joint and then like the systemic nature of something like rheumatoid arthritis is too like the main defining factor here is the bloody pain that comes yeah. with it like people yeah. and the and the obvious like the swelling to the yeah. joints and yeah so it's um it's a lot more um sort of obvious that it's happening yeah i think the thing with osteoporosis too and the reason we did want to talk about it is because Again, coming back to the preventative space, osteoporosis isn't something you want to find out you have when you're 55, 60 or 65. Because by the time you find out, if you've gone undiagnosed with, you know, um, declining bone mineral density across the time, across your years from your, you know, I think, I'm not sure, again, we should, I probably should have even looked at some stuff before we did this podcast, but I think from the time you're 25 or it's somewhere in your mid-20s, your bone mineral bone minerals can start to decline. I feel like it's it's actually a lot earlier on than what people think. Are you yeah, right. are you googling that? Can you jump? I'm on? having a look. Yeah, just yeah. I feel like I've read that somewhere when I when I because I spent a bit of time working in the pain space when I was finishing my uni degree. I actually thought I was going to go into pain management for a while there because I was just so fascinated by like the vagus nerve and uh. you know just pain pain centers and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I think it's it's something really young, like something that blew my mind that was just like wow, like our bones are set formed and done and then potentially on the decline if we don't look after them from actually quite a young age so yeah so i think there's this amazing space again where again we're so about preventative medicine in the holistic health space but where you really 
really can do so much for your skeletal structure so that you don't find out at the age of 65 when you accidentally fall over and break your hip that you've actually had osteoporosis and declining bones beyond what is considered normal for the last 30 years of your life. And that's the space we want to talk about. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So let's talk about why bone mineral density declines. And we've sort of alluded to a few things there, the hows and the whys this happens. So it's a bit of a, it's a broad topic, of course. And we've mentioned... Jess and I don't do any small topics. (laughs) No, that's it. And I think number one, like, let's just start with diet. Uh, And this is where it's really fascinating because... The diet itself is even really a broad stroke and it's why it comes back to setting yourself up from such a early age. So having a really diverse whole food diet that's going to be rich in all of your different minerals and continuing to eat well throughout your life is kind of like a no-brainer here. I mean, from yep. our, to us, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. But I think the, what I would like to highlight is that often if there's been um, a lot of yo-yo dieting a lot of cutting out of major food groups and then potentially uh, vegan based diets that haven't been implemented correctly what we can run into is some dietary spaces and particularly if there's a lot of longevity with them where over time you're creating some mineral deficiencies and i'm not just calcium yes but other minerals involved in your bone as well and then let alone which we'll get to i'm sure at some point it's not on the list but even things like vitamin d as well yeah so essentially yes we want to make sure we have this beautiful whole food diet but in regard to how this can happen and why it can decline from an earlier age from a dietary point of view you can be significantly reducing your intake intake of these key minerals and nutrients by having a very narrow window diet and I guess it's interesting in that like on one aspect we're saying like a not a very well um, followed vegan diet and I say not well followed because of course if you are doing and ticking the right boxes like Mm. you can um, really be on top of that but on the other end of the spectrum we do have these um other diets right through to even say something like a carnivore diet or the sort of extremes yeah. in that space so <laughs> anything like that that's followed long term instead vomit emoji at a carnivore <laughs> diet <laughs> and i've certainly seen both ends of the spectrum with clients and you know they're mm. both very extreme and with the longevity of following these um, sort of styles of eating without respect to getting everything that mm. your body needs is where nutritionally you can start to run into problems before we even talk about what's going on in your gut as far as absorption so that'd be my number one um i'll handball to you for number two whatever comes to mind whatever comes to mind i was just going to list because we keep saying the minerals like just i was just going to list quickly so calcium obviously is a no-brainer because as soon as everyone thinks about bones they think about calcium magnesium is really important for your bones phosphorus is really important for your bones um what's on it starts with b Boron. Boron is really, yep. I was going to say borax. Boron is really good for your bones. Um, vitamin D is, is important for the synthesis and all the, you know, the biochemical shit that happens that we're not going to explain because I don't really, can't be bothered and probably have to re- <laughs> refresh my brain on that because we're not bone experts. But vitamin D is really important. Protein is really important. Have I said magnesium? 
Yeah, yeah, you did. I feel yeah. like I've covered a lot of them. Anyway, get the, get the gist that it's just more than calcium as a starting point. So you do need a minerally diverse diet. Oh, um, absolutely. And not... let alone like, sorry to interrupt, but what you just said, <laughs> that I'm going to anyway, yeah, even as you just it. said about protein, like and the importance of protein mm. and structural integrity Structure. of cells. And then you think about all of the little building blocks is in the matrix there with things like even um, like collagen and mm. like the sort of all of the sort of security networks around mm. the bones and that pulls in a whole lot of other minerals and amino acids too. Yeah, absolutely. Hence diversity, right? Diversity. That diversity. But yeah. definitely those are the key ones that you just mentioned. I don't think I forgot any. But yeah, so when Jess is talking, when we're talking about when Jess was saying before that like minerals and diet is important, like it's not just not just calcium, which we're going to talk about calcium and dairy later on because I think that's a really big important one to cover. Mm-hmm. But another thing, um, where, where, should, where should we go? Let's, let's talk about, let's talk about estrogen right like I think why not I'll take the hormone space whoop, whoop, surprise and I won't I won't go right into it because again it's it's a whole other can it's a whole other topic but estrogen really is plays such a protective and protective mm. role with looking after your bones and I think estrogen gets such a estrogen this is I think why I love estrogen well I love all the hormones so much because it's just such a balancing act with all of them but estrogen gets such a bad rap when it's in excess but no really no one really talks about the beautiful role that it plays in so many things when it's you know in in its right right mind <laughs> when it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> because let's face it when it's not everyone's batshit crazy um but when estrogen is doing what it's meant to do and being you know utilized properly by the body it actually has it's it's so protective of so many you know um you know biological processes and one of the big ones is looking after your bones and your bone health so mm. So obviously, as we, you know, age as women, our estrogen levels do start to decline. And we all know that menopause, you know, typically is when your estrogen just drops away. So you can definitely see as estrogen drops away for women in there, you know, depending on when that happens. But let's just say standard ages, you know, somewhere in the, in the late 40s to early 50s space that, you know, then you do lose one of those big protective mechanisms in terms of looking after, you know, your bone strength and your bone health. So so estrogen decline, you know, is, plays a massive role in that. But I really like going back to estrogen in general across the lifespan for a female. Like if you're someone who who has low estrogen across the board, and this can come for a variety of reasons. So obviously the disordered eating space is the first thing that comes to mind. Mm, so if so you... Yeah, like if you're a girl, a young female who has been in that disordered eating space and been in it for quite a period of time to the point where your body fat percentage totally drops or you lose your period, which means you don't have estrogen, a lot of estrogen kicking down around in your body. There is that shutdown from the hypothalamus, the hypothalamus (laughs) and the children making up words now. Um, (laughs) Excuse me. Where you're not, you don't have estrogen. Like you, you're basically your estrogen is in menopausal ranges. Is probably the easiest way to say it. So mm. again, for a good period or a chunk of your life, while you're <coughs> you're in this um, underweight sort of you know body space, your estrogen is not protecting your bones, and your bone mineral density will start to mm. decline. And not to mention, too, usually coupled with lack of all you know low low circulating or low estrogen is usually um, lack of minerals as well. So the disordered eating space um, really, really, really can set girls up for um, osteoporosis later in life. So and then if you couple that with a genetic or inherited osteoporosis risk as well, you know, you, you really, if you know you are someone who sits in that space, you really, you really want to spend your 20s and your 30s 
and your 40s really looking after your bones like really mm. putting a lot of things into place to look after them because it will really matter um the other thing is the training space so obviously there's so much in the personal training space at the moment too and women who you know i think about like a couple of my clients that are elite athletes and a couple of them all yeah a couple of my clients that just really train a lot and it is a real balancing act for females if you want to get into the more intensive training space where if your body fat percentage drops too low to the point where it messes with your period cycle you are at risk of changing mm. how your bone mineral density performs over the over the course of your lifespan so so the training space and body fat percentage space really matters for women but because in, of the effect on the estrogen because of the effect on the estrogen yeah. thank you yes <laughs> thanks for clarifying <laughs> i was going off a little tangent then um but yeah so that matters because of the effect on estrogen but coupled with that too is that there's also a really positive side to that space whereas if you're training appropriately that um type of strength training as we chatted about with michelle in the last podcast actually has a real beneficial effect on Mm, estrogen and bone mineral metabolism so again it's all about balance folks um but yeah so the estrogen estrogen plays a massive role in your bone health across your life as a female huge and even back to what um like the the just outside the space of someone who has disordered eating patterns to what I was saying about just dysregulated eating in general, like Mm. cutting out major food groups and all the things we're talking about there, then you can see how there's that knock-on effect as far as how that stresses a body, Mm. affects hormones, potentially lowers estrogen, and like it all becomes this sort of synergistic relationship and therefore you start going down this pathway without the the realization so I probably wanted it's, to it's a huge one it's a huge one and probably two um I've pro- i know i've got a, a few clients that listen to this and we we monitor this space pretty closely um just for anyone that's not in hasn't done the overtraining and hasn't done the or hasn't been in the disordered eating space and doesn't have the family history but doesn't have a period whether it's from hypothalamic amenorrhea or post pill amenorrhea or anything like that like I've got a few clients and we like, yes, you can, it's not ideal, but you cannot have a period for a couple of years and we're trying to get that back. But there does come a time where you don't want that to go on for too long because obviously Mm. we're starting to really then consider the effects on your bone health later in life. And I know that GPs will definitely push people to go back on the pill if you haven't had a period for three to five years or something like that and it doesn't look like you're getting one back and you're not working with a practitioner that's keeping an eye on those things like you know that's why sometimes using the oral contraceptive pill and even having that synthetic estrogen in the body to kind of mimic a period cycle does well as far as as far as we know and i hope you know this is going to be this is the case but from what we can see that's where even sometimes using the pill for someone can be slightly effective because by even having Mm -hmm. that circulating synthetic estrogen it does seem to have some positive effect on bone mineral density and prevention of osteoporosis but obviously the goal is to get a period back naturally but i know Mm for my clients that have got severe inflammatory stuff going on or they've got you know they've been through some really stressful stuff like there's an amount of time where i'm okay with them not having a period and we are routinely checking serum estrogen and bloods like are you in menopausal ranges or do you have some low level circulating estrogen i.e your body's trying to get a period happening it's a really important space to monitor if you're not getting a period for another health concern but you don't want to go on the pill like how long do we let this go on for before we actually have to consider what else we may need to do to look after your bones later Mm. in life Mm. yeah that's really important really important 
Yeah, and are you talking about just measuring, you just said they're keeping a regular check mm. on, on the oestrogen with serum oestrogen. Yeah. Are you just talking about them doing that with just either with the, their health practitioner yeah, or their GP? just their GP. Like I'll yeah. always, every, like if I've got clients who for whatever reason aren't, aren't getting a period and we've got so mm. much systemic inflammation that a period hasn't kicked in yet. Like obviously mm. sometimes just post having a baby, if there's a stressful event, sometimes it's 12 months before someone gets a period back. That's okay. I'm still monitoring estrogen in mm. that space anyway. But like I know... I've got a few clients that are overtrained, but now they're a healthy body weight range and all of mm. that, but their period has only come once every six months. I'm still checking their serum estrogen to yeah. make sure they're not dropping into menopausal ranges. And, yeah. you know, and just even like I've got some other clients who've got some really inflammatory stuff going on and they've had to take some really hard hitting autoimmune drugs and things mm. like that where their body's just not ready to ovulate yet and start a natural yeah. cycle back because their body's been through such a stressful thing, but we're checking their estrogen every six to eight months just to make sure they're not dropping into those menopausal menopausal ranges where there's mm. no circulating estrogen and I think if you're someone in that space working with a practitioner who's like no we're just going to get your period back but it's going on you just need to be really mindful of what your estrogen is even doing in your blood so in circulating in your blood I think that's mm -hmm. really important to keep an eye on no that's really really important because there would be so many women in that this would be pertinent to with what you're saying and I imagine a lot of them wouldn't even think about the concept of what's going on as mm. far as their bone health like it yeah. just you know they may be considering it as far as obviously their reproductive health and yeah and the reasons as to getting back a regular cycle for yeah. all of the usual more obvious reasons but I think it's really great that it highlights like how this can be crucially important into the yeah. fall effect to bone health and too. even and even to the point where I've you know I do have a couple of clients that I can think of off the top of my head where we've just been dealing with so much acutely and obviously getting a period back is so important but I just know for them it may be a long a longer way off or something and we're keeping yeah. an eye on the estrogen boy or we do have discussions about at what time do we put you back on the pill for six months yeah again not my goal as a practitioner like we all know yeah. I don't love the oral contraceptive <laughs> pill but it's more important too like at what stage do we put you back on it for six months just to maybe see yeah. a if we can kick in a cycle like just it might need that trick like a trigger when you come yeah. off it there's so many things that the the hormone web is so you know so triggering and so sensitive once it's been aggravated or it's been you know you know kind of shut down that sometimes too yeah. like it's it's thinking outside the box a little bit too, like keeping an eye mm. on things, but going, okay, at what stage do we, do we chat to your GP, put you back on the pill for three months and just come bring you back yeah. off it and see what happens. Like there's so much that you just need to keep an eye on in that space. Yeah. So. No, I love it. I love it. Well, it's the whole concept, isn't it? It's that whole wide net of pre prevention. That's what we're sort of trying yeah. to look at. Um, let's, let's move on and talk about calcium. We've obviously mentioned it. So we want to talk about, obviously calcium is a major player in bone mineraliza min <laughs> mineralization. <laughs> Let's make up our own words today. It's yes. fun. <laughs> I promise I'm not drunk. That sounded like I was drunk. <laughs> and that is going to be something that we want to be on top of. But we actually wanted to talk about why it's not just about calcium. And I think we actually mentioned some of those other um, minerals and vitamins already but I, I think one of the biggest myths that we see particularly if this um, particularly back to bone mineral density and bone health if a, uh, stereotyping but if a GP is giving advice in this area it will be about being on top of your calcium levels and therefore about the dairy space and making sure you're getting enough dairy so what I own, again, a few things in that, but one of the things that we are constantly 
I would say still battling against, it's getting better, is this notion that it's just about eating dairy and more dairy to get your calcium levels up. Um, obviously, from a gut health space, if you have gut issues, that's a whole nother, um, I'm going to say kettle of worms. <laughs> We're shit house today. Whole nother <laughs> can of worms. We need to release a podcast language book so people can actually interpret what we're saying. <laughs> So it can be a little bit of a tricky space if you have issues with dairy and you're like, but I can't have more dairy. Um, That's not going to work for me. So there's two things. There's like looking at other foods rich in in calcium, let alone other minerals. And also that notion that, that dairy, particularly cow's dairy, is like the only really strong source of calcium. They're... Even within the dairy space, one one of the things I love telling clients um, for a wow factor is <laughs> we have cow's milk, but we also have goat and sheep milk. And goat and sheep milk, as far as the structure of the protein in them, is very, very small and a lot easier to digest than your cow's protein. And a lot of people who are reactive to the that protein, that casein in the cow's milk, a lot of them can tolerate the goat and the sheep. And when I work with clients and get them to a certain point with their gut and we're reintroducing, I'll always look at goat and sheep milk alternatives. And I'd say at a hit rate, good 50, 60% of people are great with the goat and the sheep milk as opposed to cow. Now, Mm. the reason I say this is that goat and sheep milk contains double the amount of calcium than Mm. cow's milk. So if you even just made that change like even from the respect of your gut health if there's issues and you can tolerate that you're instantly getting double the amount which i think is pretty bloody cool and it's not something that obviously the dairy industry pushes as far as like cow's milk goes um again a whole nother story so there's there's that but then if we step can i just ask quickly what about um what how does camel's milk stack up in the calcium department i don't know i don't know i I feel like good but like yeah yeah i don't know i know that the protein like it's not it's kind of like closer to the cow end yeah um but like not as um there's something there's something that's meant to be in camel's milk and i can't remember what it is whether it's something to do with the immunoglobulins that are in it it's meant to be yeah that's meant to be really good as far as like that kind of gut immune space yeah that's what they're pumping but, all the research into at the moment is the is it that the immunoglobulins the yeah milk. yeah like it's yeah. fucking apparently meant to be pretty next level yeah but i don't at. know i don't know like i calcium. kind of look at it as far as that sort of structure as far as in in um like the intolerant space mm. goes from looking at in the past, I think it's like a bit more on the cow end. It's like yeah. people, people often ask about like buffalo, mozzarella and those sorts of things. It's like usually I think <laughs> I think he is a, to paint a broad brush stroke the, if the animal looks more like the cow end and it's bigger, <laughs> then you're going to the cow milk, the protein's going to be bigger. The smaller you- the animal, like I'm... an almond, a really small almond with nipples. Yeah. <laughs> Jess is actually milking right now. Just for every, I feel like we need to YouTube our podcast just so people can see all this shit that actually happens from the sign language point of view. Um, I never knew that buffalo mozzarella came from buffalo. What? <laughs> Up until I worked in an Italian restaurant, I just thought it was a name. Like they just called it buffalo mozzarella. Like it was just a type of 
it's like, I don't know, like, um, awesome. like it kind of originated from Buffalo or I don't know. It was it's not from Mount Buffalo. Yeah, from Mount Buffalo or something. Or it was just a, a name. You know how they have like Gorgonzola cheese, like Buffalo yep, mozzarella. Yep. Uh, anyway, I only in the last probably, I reckon, eight to ten years of my life <laughs> known that that actually came from Buffalo. But hey, people, put your health in my hands. I'm smart. <laughs> But calcium, like once you leave dairy completely behind, if you can't do dairy, you don't want to do dairy. I just really want to express that there are other sources that are out there. Now, we do have a really cool information sheet on the JCM website that explores this and gives you a full breakdown of all your alternatives. But some of my favourites, and they're not as sort of glamorous, but is absolutely your tinned fish or it doesn't have to be tin but usually for most people that's where it's accessible but the sort of the tin fish with the bones so like your salmon with the bones your sardines with the little mm. bones those bo- like you bone for bones i think we have so yeah. maybe go back and look at our calcium podcast mm. <laughs> but just for reference right there's they're like crazy high in calcium like yeah. as far as getting your um, requirements and again that podcast and the calcium information sheet gives you an idea of what you need to be eating in a day to hit your requirements um but we've got different nuts and seeds and leafy greens and carissa's got a hand up so i better let her speak um john west and i don't i actually don't know how i feel about this because it freaks me out but john west has released a for people who it doesn't freak out the way it freaks me out john west has released a tinned salmon or tuna that actually has a thousand milligrams of calcium in it so oh, they like added more calcium they've to it, added calcium to it so but i did look up and it is it is just bones it's ground bones so they've, ah. added, they've added that but yeah that's all i know and that kind of freaks me out because i'm like i fucking hope that's fish bones and not human bones <laughs> they crazy and sinister <laughs> but I've, I've told a few of my clients about that. So obviously RDI for a female for calcium is a thousand milligrams per day is what you want to aim for. And this, it's a 90 gram tin, like one of those little tiny 90 gram wow. tins. It is, um, it's their calcium plus range. So if anyone's not completely freaked out about that, like, um, <laughs> like I personally didn't like the taste of it. And that's just personally me because yep. I am a seafood, bit of a seafood snob and I, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I know people that just eat tins of tuna like it's going out of fashion. They don't they don't mind what kind of tinned fish they buy, like and all and yep. that's so fine, respect to whatever fucking space you're in. But if that's something that is an easy calcium fix for you, yeah, yeah. One tin and you've hit your daily quota. Which I know yep. like obviously we're gonna talk about all these other beautiful foods, but I think that I think that's cool. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Things like, and again, we won't go into heaps of them, but just outside the meat space, um, definitely your tahini and your sesame seeds particularly the unhulled versus the hulled so once it's got that seed still on it is very very high in calcium um, and chia seeds as well and this all comes down to like of course portions so that's where it's really good to be able to like look at something as a reference and go all right like if i'm eating this in a day plus this amount of like tahini usually and chia but then to, with respect to your other minerals that Chris was mentioning earlier, this is where the whole food space whole comes food in. Like comes into all it. of your different 
leafy greens and variety of different vegetables and fruits have got that plethora of vitamins and minerals. Even just you milking then, your almonds before. Almonds I know, are like almonds. A basically a bone-building food. Exactly. Just does a little tea milking. <laughs> I picked Damien does that. That's where I got that from. He's <laughs> like, it's not milk. Almonds don't have nipples. <laughs> like, it's badger milk. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so there's, there is a lot of other options that are out there. And we also mentioned protein as well. But in respect to protein and getting enough, definitely listen to our last podcast because we talked heavily about that with Michelle and the importance of protein for structure and integrity with muscles. But this also comes down to your collagen and your joints and this sort of degeneration space as well. Um, another one that I get a lot of my clients onto is the calcium fortified nut milks. So if you are yeah, dairy true. intolerant, not doing dairy, and even just two, 250 mils, like I use the um, Pure Harvest has bought a great one out that's got no shit in it, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Pure Harvest, their calcium fortified nut milk, um, almond milk or almond coconut milk. I think it's just almond milk. I literally was on sale at Coles the other day and I bought like 20, 20 litres of it. Um, but yeah, 300 milligrams of calcium per 250 mils. So I usually put more than that into a smoothie anyway, easily. But just mm-hmm. even that right there, plus a well-balanced diet, is it's pretty easy. Um, tofu yep. and tempeh, like. Every- I was just gonna say tofu, because, and it comes amazing. down. Do you know what it's interesting is that it comes down also to, like you can get crazy high amounts because of the um, what is it? It's the agent. Like they use those um, firming agents oh. to like create, like in the process of creating the tofu. And there's actually they're, they're mineral based, and mm. when they use a calcium mineral based one, you like that can be a massive that, factor in I've like seen whoo, that shooting on it up. The, um, on the ingredients list, when they use like calcium, like phosphate, oh, calcium phosphate. I don't know they use calcium something. Yeah, as a firming agent. And so is that what it is that can give? Oh, I never knew that, but that makes sense. Yeah, like the soy, I, the soybeans yeah. to start with are good, but like yeah. what will shoot it up is the use of that that calcium as a mineral is actually mm. used in that process of making the tofu. So. Like, again, this if we're talking about vegos, vegans, you can kind of see how if you are savvy about it and you know these different foods that are really mm. crucial, how you can be building them into your diet on a, yeah. a really regular basis. Easy, yeah. So that's just a little bit of a an area we wanted to touch on, but please refer, I'll put in the show notes to our Calcium podcast. And then finally, before we finish, we wanted to talk about, and we've, we've sort of touched on this, but the lifestyle factors, because... It's not just about what you eat, um, the eating space and taking care of yourself and the gut health, like obviously super important. But when it comes to really quality bone density and health and healthy joints, you cannot um, put aside (laughs) what we've been talking about over these last few podcasts, the importance of exercise and particularly resistance training. There is nothing more beneficial for creating um, density to bones than that resistance style training. And there's so many studies in this area. And it's something that like we're obviously really passionate about. And I think Michelle last podcast really emphasize this Mm. and for women in particular um, as they are like obviously setting it up at any point but keeping a good level with respect to not overtraining of resistance training um, through your years and as you're getting into those perimenopausal ages menopausal like 
I just I cannot sing its praises enough as, as something that you want to be doing for your your bone health. Yeah, and I think too I did have a couple of um, clients ask me was it when did we do the podcast with Michelle? It was two weeks ago. Hey, two I had, weeks. Yeah, had a couple of clients just ask me. And I think one or two people on social media as well. Like, want just to define strength training a little bit more like you know obviously because uh-huh. michelle's goal and total respect to her space that she works in as well because it's an amazing space but she obviously works with really defining the physique i think yeah more so than just someone i think a couple of people that were just like they felt like not in a bad way at all they, they thought the podcast was amazing but they're just like oh well i'm at the gym and i'm doing strength training and resistance training but because i'm not training with these goals to build lean muscle mass and you know like mm. specific physique goals am i still doing myself good and absolutely you are 100 yeah like if you are doing any sort of resistance training like in respect to not like bone health and stuff like that and you're consistent with it like whether or not you know like obviously body fat um and inflammatory weight is probably the better way to say inflammatory weight does matter like but Mm. you know and we want to look after all these inflammatory processes in the body but yes if you are someone who is going to the gym and you're doing your three strength training sessions a week and you're walking on alternate days and you're happy with your body and you don't need to you know tone up to the nth degree um but that's still beneficial as well i think is absolutely yeah because i think i I had a few people ask me like oh am i still doing the right thing and i'm like of course you are why wouldn't you be (laughs) so yeah (laughs) yeah so it's not everyone has different goals with their training as well so you know michelle works in an amazing space where she really helps people with specific you know even just you know training goals for health she definitely works in but she definitely does work more in that you know training physique training body composition training but not everyone's going to go directly into that hardcore space you still get all the exactly. benefits of strength yep. and resistance training by just doing it yep. too so don't, absolutely don't shy yeah, away yeah. From it. no that's good to clarify yeah we definitely it, it's not it's not about um, the top end. It's that like regularity of just consistency. That and Michelle's words, long term game. <laughs> long term gains, man. Long term game. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's pretty much it as far as summing it up. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Good. <laughs> Jess is like, I'm I want to pack this thing Jess down. Jess is going away. She's got some freedom in Melbourne. <laughs> She's like, good. Let us go. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining as always. Uh, If you've got any questions about this particular topic, you can hit us up. Uh, You can always find us on socials. You can head to, we've got, I don't know if I've mentioned to you guys, we've got the JCN Clinic Instagram page too, so you can always head there. Um, But otherwise, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love you to leave us a review and we'd love you to share all of your love on Insta. So. If you can tick all of those boxes for us, (laughs) that'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, we will chat (gasps) with you next time. Oh, no. Right. Did you have anything you wanted to share this week? Anything you've been, we've got to get (gasps) into. Recommendations. Our recommendations. You go first if you've got one. I don't have one. I just thought of it though. (laughs) Sorry. Do you have one? Well, I don't. There's always, I always have a billion. Mm. Always. Always. Um, Okay. So. My latest obsession in this last few weeks, I don't know if I told you, when we're in lockdown, I um, caved in and ordered different chocolates online because I was just sick of not being able to have what I want. My first order was like a Noosa chocolate factory, which was like epic. But in the last month, I finally tried, I'm a bit late to the game, those Loco Love 
Oh, chocolates, which are ridiculously expensive. They're like about, you know, four to five dollars for a cho- like one chocolate. But I ordered like a box of them. I like 40 bucks plus delivery. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I can't do anything. Oh, my freaking God. And particularly the peanut butter crunch one. It's like a picnic bar. And then there's like an almond caramel crunch. Mm. Holy crap. The only thing I've ever tasted similar as far as those types of things. And I'm going to toot my own horn here is the little (laughs) like raw Snickers bar that's on the website and also in the cookbook. They're like little homemade those. With the mushrooms in them. Like, yeah, they got the little bit of the medicinal mushrooms and all of the loco love stuff has medicinal Uh, mushrooms and like they're crazy all the ingredients. But freaking hell, like those things are amazing. And talk about like a nice little treat for yourself. So mm. if you haven't tried them, guys, like totally recommend. Yeah, nice. I'm trying to think. I just I'm trying to think what I've been doing lately. I haven't actually bought anything new to rave about at the moment, but I have been revisiting my love of green and peppermint tea combined. And it's funny uh. because I had this chat with Lex the other day. Well, no, yesterday I think it was. Because she's been doing it as well, combining. So you just get a really good quality green, straight, like a green censure or a good quality green tea and just like beautiful peppermint tea. We've just been using the T2 peppermint. But uh-huh. the two combined, <laughs> it just, it does something. I don't know what it is, but if anyone <laughs> wants to try it and report back, I feel like for me, I don't know if it's a nostalgic thing. Like it just does remind me of um, my early 20s working in cafes because we used to drink that a lot. Um, and then summer, I turn it into an iced tea. So I'll brew like a heap Ooh. of peppermint and green at just the bottom. I've got one of those in T2 infusers. And then, but I put a bit of some lemon wedges into it. But there's something about it when it's cold as well. Like it's just so refreshing. Um, wow. Heaps, heaps of. Because did you used to be, able, I feel like you used to be able to buy a peppermint green tea like it used to be a blend ages ago but yeah I feel like I've tried the blends and they're not the same like I feel like you kind of got to get the loose leaf green and the peppermint and combine them so you don't lose and you kind of make it like a double strength tea almost and it's but you don't want it to go go bitter but it's just I don't know whether I've tried it with you before I feel like I feel like I have because I've I've been doing this for like I don't know like 17 years and I feel like when I forget about it because there's all these other beautiful teas and then whenever I go back to it like I made one yesterday because there's peppermint tea in the cupboard and I was just standing there drinking it and it's like it just plucks on a soul cord or something and just like <laughs> it's just like hello <laughs> and I was saying to Lex and Lex is like oh my god I'm doing the same thing <laughs> so so there's no product rants there unless I could rant about the amazing tea too um iced tea infused jugs because I feel like they're fucking awesome but I've had one for years so yeah. love it let's go love it love it (laughs) (laughs) thanks for joining us guys and we will chat with you next time chat with you next time bye bye